also Wide Awake began with that thought that we are beloved, and I hope that you're receiving that, taking hold of that so you can walk in that and reflect that to the world. The whole idea of Wide Awake, the series, comes from the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11, and if you've been around church even once or twice, you probably know Lazarus was the friend of Jesus, and Lazarus got sick, and he was uh, sick potentially going to die, and his relatives sent word to Jesus because Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, and said, Lazarus is really sick, and you need to come quick, but Jesus didn't come. A little footnote there that I think some of us can identify with tonight, there's often times where we can sort of see events unfolding, and we say, God, will you please intervene? Will you step in? Because we believe if you step in in time, something will change, but from our point of view, that doesn't happen. And in the end, Lazarus died. And after Lazarus died, Jesus said to his followers, let's go up to Judea, let's go to Bethany, let's go to the town where Lazarus lives. And when Jesus arrived, the relatives of Lazarus, as you know, came out and said, Lord, if you'd only been here, if you'd only made it in time, we believe in you, but man, if you'd gotten here in time, things would have ended up differently then they've ended up, and Jesus said, hey, it's going to be okay, because the fact of the matter is that I am here. I mean, he's just reminding us today that he works outside of time and space, and so in those moments where we think, you know, A plus B equals C, God's saying, hey, I see it all, I understand it all, and I'm working in ways that you can't understand. In fact, watch what I'm going to do now, and he just speaks really loudly in the midst of this funeral. He says, Lazarus, come out, and Lazarus came back from the dead. He'd been prepared for burial, wrapped in strips of linen, put inside a tomb, but now he comes out walking, but still bound. The people are floored and astonished, and so Jesus says, go to him. Hello, everybody. Uh, He's alive now. Take off the strips of linen and let him go. It's because God knows there's a difference between being alive and being fully alive. There's a difference between coming tonight to Passion City Church and saying, you know what, I believe the songs we're singing, I believe in Jesus, I, I believe in the basic idea that Jesus came to earth, died for the sins of the world, was buried, was raised from the dead. I believe all that. I believe if you put your trust in Jesus that you have eternal life. I believe in the word. I believe in truth. I believe in you know, the afterlife. I believe in forever. I believe all those things, but still I'm living, though alive spiritually, maybe on the inside, I'm living bound up to the things that killed me in the first place. I'm still living wrapped up in the things that made me dead to start with, even though in my heart I've sort of come around these ideas of who Jesus is and what he can do in life. And Jesus is in this place tonight. I just want us to know Jesus is here. And what he's saying is, I don't want you just to be alive. I want you to be fully alive. I don't want you just to be awake. I want you to be wide Awake, And we started last week with this message about waking up to who we really are, waking up to who God says we are in Christ. And I don't know about you, but it's just a game changer for me. If I had my druthers, you know, um, I said this uh, morning that when I get old and gray, one of these days I might, uh, I'm thinking about, that was a joke this morning, they didn't laugh either. Um, <laughs> but, I, but when I get older and grayer, I may just do a series where I preach the message from last week six times in a row. 
and just call it the This is the Best Message Ever series. Not that I gave it, you understand, but the message in the message. And I'm just going to give it week after week after week. And the truth is that some of you would say today, if you preach that message six Sundays in a row, I promise you I'll be here every single Sunday because I need to hear who God says I am. You know, a lot of us are living in what's wrapped around us, right, from last week is we're bound up by what somebody else said is true about us. We're living out of what circumstances or life events said is true about us, or some of us living out of what we're thinking about our own selves. We're living with this false sense of self, and so that's why we launched um, hashtag love3030. That's why there's an email coming every day, because every day we want to remind ourselves who we are. Last week, we talked about it like this. This is the definition we used last week of who we are. Uh, Why don't you just say it with me? We are God-designed, purpose-intended, significant, lavishly loved, prince or princess, son or daughter of the king of the universe. That's who we are right now in Christ. That's the truth about us. And I don't, if, any, if you had an awakening, if you feel like you came to a pool in the desert of crystal clear, beautiful water, and it's just absolutely changing your world right now, just celebrate that and don't let anybody rain on your revelation, okay? Don't let anybody come around you this week and say, well, you know, I kind of felt like that was Christianity 101. I mean, God loves us. I mean, duh. Um, we're sons of God. Hello. We're daughters of God. We have an inheritance in God. And so therefore, we're princes and princes to the king of the universe. I mean, no kidding. That's like the very basic entry-level Christian truth. Don't let anybody rain on your revelation if God is opening your eyes to who he says you are. And you've gotten seven emails now. Today's email was reminding us that we are the children of God again from Romans chapter 8. And there's three more weeks of those coming. And if you are in that place of going, I'm just absolutely needing more and more of that truth of God, the mirror of the word of God, so that I can see who I am, keep staring at who I am, embracing who I am, so that I don't walk away and forget who I am and live out of a false sense of self then I just want to celebrate you and don't let any other more mature believers who've gotten over the fact that they're lavishly loved, God-designed people, don't let them rain on your parade. You just keep going to that well day after day after day after day and celebrating what God is doing in your life. Keep drinking out of that well every single day and let God continue to do that work in your heart. You say, well, Lily, after a while, it's going to sound like a broken record, you know, um, another day, you know, 14 days in a row, you were God designed. 15 days in a row, you were God designed. 17 days, 23 days, 29 days in a row, you are God designed. Starting to sound like a broken record. No, the broken record is the record we've already been listening to from wherever it was coming from that's telling us we're not worthy, that we're not good enough, that God doesn't love us, that God doesn't want a relationship with us, that God doesn't have a purpose and a plan for our lives, that we're not designed, that we're just accidental, that we're not God's being woven into the fabric of God's story, but that we're incidental. That's the broken record that we've been listening to all of our lives. And we need to push the broken record off to the side and say, let the voice of God be heard. Let the the fountain of God's truth be heard. And I'm just going to stay in that place. And so I'm encouraging you, if that is pouring water into a dry and weary soul, stay at the well and let God continue 
to speak that into your heart every day. And then reflect it. Anybody reflecting that love, whatever you're getting, you're sending a text here or there. Anybody this week? Hello? Yeah, a few of you. Anybody? Uh, I, I did a few. I, I didn't make it at all seven days. I have to confess that. There was a day that I got to the end of the day and went, oh my goodness. I mean, I had texted some people and I had affirmed some people that not like directly, I'm going to pick somebody today. So six out of seven days. And then two of the six, I never heard back from the person. Anybody just never heard back from the person that, oh wow, look at that. That's a lot of uh, wrong numbers right there, you know? And so I'm, I'm starting to put in there, you know, so-and-so. And if this isn't your, still your number, because I haven't obviously texted you in a while, um, to whoever this is, just take this from God, you know, as just free encouragement and free love. But you know what it's like when there's that gap, right? And there's a, you're kind of taking a step of faith with somebody just to reflect some of the love of God on them. And then you just wait all day and nothing happens. The next day, nothing happens, and you don't go, oh, my goodness, I'm terrible. They don't love me. They don't like me. I'm awful. No, you go, oh, I'm loved. I'm loved. God, thank you for letting me reflect some of that. I didn't reflect it to them so that I could get something back from them. I reflected it to them because I already have what I need from God, my Father. So as we're taking this second step, the second thing we're waking up to is we're waking up to an invitation to walk with God. More specifically, we're waking up to an invitation to walk with Jesus. I want you just to look in John chapter 11, and uh, we are going to dig around in this story a little bit till we uh, finish the Wide Awake series, but I just want you to notice how this works, and it's a narrative story, and so you have to be careful about lifting up principles out of narrative and then taking them places they don't really go, but these, these are absolute truths that we can land on, even from the narrative account of what was happening with Jesus and his friend Lazarus, and I want you to notice what happens in this story. Uh, Jesus goes away. Uh, he's, the, the news comes about Lazarus in verse 1 through 6. Um, he doesn't move in time, but then he decides it's time to go. And look what happens in verse 7. It's a very simple verse. It's one of those we'll blow by. I doubt anybody has this highlighted or a circle around or some little uh, a date over in the margin where God changed your life with this particular verse. It's not one of those verses, but it, I hope it will become one of those tonight. Then in verse 7 it says, And then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. I just thought I'd try it and see what happens. Isn't that powerful? They're like, well, by faith I'll say it is, because I'm sure you're going to help me understand why it is. But, but think about that. that. What an incredible statement. Verse 6, when he had heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now that it's not what we would have done. We would have said, Lazarus is sick. Let's cancel everything and get moving. But he stays two more days. And then he says to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. The context there is the whole context of the gospel that what he says to his followers is, let's walk. They weren't taking a flight to Judea. They, they weren't taking a fast train to Judea. They were walking to Judea. They were going to walk back to the town of Bethany, and Jesus' invitation is, walk with me. Walk with me. And that's what the wide awake issue is for us today. It is becoming wide awake to the invitation of the God of the universe, specifically, and I'm going to use the name Jesus, because I want to make sure everybody understands who we're talking about. There's a lot of gods floating around in conversation in our lives. I'm speaking about Jesus today, the one who created the heavens and created the earth, came 
to planet Earth in a human body, gave his life for the sins of the world, was raised up from the dead by the power of God, is triumphant over sin, death, hell, and the grave, holds all power, all authority, in the name that's above every single name, the name that at which every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, in heaven, under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father, the one who rules eternity, sitting on a throne, the Lamb of God, that Jesus is inviting you, if you want to, to come and walk with him. Amen. It's the message. Well, if there had been thunderous applause right there, I really would have just ended. <laughs> but let's unpack just a little bit. The God of creation is inviting you. Jesus is inviting you to come walk with him. If you want to. If you're too busy, you, okay. You're walking with some other people already. You got too many people to walk with. Okay. Don't like him. All right. But if you want to, He's inviting you to come and walk with him. He said to his disciples, let's go to Judea. He, he didn't look at them and say, I'm going to go raise a guy from the dead, and why don't you all wait here? I, I'm going to go raise Lazarus up from the dead, and you all aren't really going to be of any value to me whatsoever. So why don't you all stay here? He just said, come on, let's go. And off they went. I want you to have this picture in your mind. I want, you, I want us to get this picture in our mind. Off they went, walking together, the Son of God in human flesh, and some other guys that he'd chosen and invested in and, and invited onto the journey. What did he say to them? Follow me. What did he say to them? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. What is this all going to be about? This is going to be about us walking together. And yes, I want you to follow me. In other words, I'm going to be the example. You're going to be the, the one who follows the example. I'm going to be the leader, and you're going to walk in my footsteps. I'm going to be truth, and you're going to walk in truth. I'm going to be grace. You're going to walk in grace. I'm going to be love. You're going to walk in love. It is me walking and leading. I'm Jesus, but I want you to walk with me. And then a few verses down in the chapter, it says, if you look at verse 17, on his arrival, on Jesus' arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So none of the supporting cast got into the story at this point. Now we just have dialogue between Martha and Jesus, and then Jesus and Lazarus. And so the story gets very specific and very focused, but all the writer wants us to know here is that Jesus arrived. But I just, I want you to remember that when he arrived, there were guys walking with him because the invitation had been to these men all along the way. You're invited to walk with Jesus. 
And that's the invitation today. Christianity is a lifestyle. It, it's everything we have for him. It's all of us in praise of the one who gave us life and gave us breath. But if you boil it all down, come on. It is a relationship with Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's not about what we do or jumping through hoops or checking off boxes or going to all these meetings or doing all these ministries. At the heart of it all is a relationship with Jesus and that relationship with Jesus isn't a meeting schedule. I got you penciled in at 8.15 for 10 minutes. I'm going to circle back around at 2.30 for a little short touch base. I'll see you Wednesday night on the whatever. Uh, Saturday morning, I'm actually going to spend 30 minutes with you. And on Sunday, uh, I'll be there this time, this time, and this time. It's not a meeting schedule. It's not on a to-do list. It's not on iCal. It is a relationship whereby we walk with God. Where are you going? Walk with God. Where's he going? Walk with God him. And that's the invitation. Micah 6, 8, the prophet sort of boils down the heart of faith. And he says, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So you reduce it all. What do you reduce it to? Do justice, love kindness or mercy, some translations say, and walk humbly with God. And and, and, you know, the the thing I always ask at the end of Micah 6, 8, I'm like, how do you not walk humbly with God? Either you're walking with God or you're not walking with God. I think the idea there is as you're walking with God, you're walking humbly, not as you're walking with God, you should walk humbly. Because if you're not walking humbly, you're not walking with God. Because if you're walking with God, what are you thinking about except that you're walking with God? You're never going to walk into a situation with God, get recognized or whatever, and take all the attention for yourself. You're going to walk into a situation with God and go, oh, thank you so much for recognizing me. I just happen to be with God, and uh, therefore we should recognize him because any recognition I get would be as a result of him. So how am I going to get proud if I'm walking with God? People, you know, always ask me, lots of young leaders, young pastors, uh, people moving up in leadership in companies, athletes, pro athletes, they say, Louis, how do you stay humble? Not implying that I do, just implying in, in the question in general, how, how do you stay humble when, when your goal is to be the best or when you're on television or when you've been elevated to the head of your company or you've been recognized as the leader in this particular industry? How do you stay humble? And I think the answer is just walk with God because when you're walking with God, how are you not going to be humble? Because you're walking in the presence of Almighty God at all times. And when you're with Him, it takes the edge off of our pride. In fact, it just crushes it all together. And you see people are all full of themselves. You know they're not wide awake. They're probably not wide awake to who they are, who they really are in Christ. And they're not wide awake to the fact that they're walking with God and have been invited to walk with him. Otherwise, the pride would have gone away. He says, at the heart of it all, this is what God wants. Love, justice, mercy, and kindness, and walk with me. Would you walk with me? I would love for you to walk with me. Now, this is mind-boggling. I mean, let's just say you're 13. You can't even drive. I mean, you theoretically can't do anything. I mean, you, you, I mean, you can do some things, but theoretically, you can't do anything. You, you don't have a credit card, God willing. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you do, that's another series we're going to do later. Um, you know, you, you can't vote. 
We have this big election coming up. You're not going to get to vote. We don't care what you think. You're 13. You don't, you don't, you don't matter. You don't matter, apparently, because we, you're not going to get to vote. You, you, there's so much you can't do. But if you're 13, I want you to know tonight that Jesus is here, and he is saying to you as a 13-year-old, I would love it if you'd walk with me. I'd love it if you'd walk with me. You're like, well, he must really like to listen to people talk if he's inviting a 13-year-old to walk with him because the ones I know, they just talk incessantly, especially the girls. Yeah. He's got time. He's got time. Well, I mean, what, what, what are they going to talk to him about? They don't know the books of the Bible backwards and forwards. They don't know big theological terms and words. They might be talking about something like, who knows? I don't know what he'll do. I guess he'll say, I don't know anything about anything because I'm Jesus and I've lived in a monastery all my life and I'm sorry, I don't know what 13-year-olds think about. <laughs> or would he just listen and love? If you're a businessman here and you're like Mr. Mr. Everything and you got a couple million in the bank by now and you got people that work for you and you're somebody, I just want you to know Jesus is inviting you and he's saying, you know what, I like you and or maybe you're a businesswoman and you fit all those same characteristics. And he's, I, I like you. I, I, would, would you walk with me? What he's saying is that the heart of it all is a relationship. And it's waking up to live wide awake to the possibility of walking through life with Jesus. You ever walked uh, around anybody famous before? Anybody here, you ever like seen anybody famous or you were right there and they were right there and you were like, oh my gosh, we're walking next to this. This is incredible. We're not going to believe this right now. We're walking right next to this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody at all? Come on. I, either it's just me or, wow, that's an influential church, Louie. We've got nine people have been around someone famous. I love that. <laughs> like see how we're going to change the city. Um, A few uh, weeks ago, I went to the White House to, uh, for a meeting with the president. And on that day, the president was meeting with the president of France. And so the whole White House property and extended a couple of blocks was closed to the public. So all of Pennsylvania Avenue, where you can normally walk across there, was closed. The park across the street was closed. And everything was barricaded off. But I was with the, the right person, and so we kept walking, and people just kept saying, come in, come in. So we're walking through all these barricades, and eventually walk across Pennsylvania to the gate that we're going in, and we're going to get our credentials, and eventually we go through, get our credentials. Now we're standing on the inside of the gate, and we're just waiting for a minute before we walk to the West Wing, and we're just standing out in front of the White House, and out comes this delegation off the front porch, and they're just walking our way. It was crazy. And uh, they got closer and closer. I'm like, it's Secretary of State and the Secretary of State of France, and they're just having an after-lunch stroll, and they're coming right around the driveway, and they're going to come like right here because I'm standing on the curb of the driveway, and there's nobody else around, and I got a thing on, so I'm good, you know? So I'm here, and they're coming, and I'm like, wow. They got their like 40 people behind them that are all about five. I mean, it looked like Ben Franklin in the old days coming around the walk. I mean, because they were just walking, you know? You don't see people walking anymore. It was like, oh my gosh, they're walking. They're going to walk out. They're going to go across Pennsylvania to the Blair House, I think, to more meetings because it's like all these, you know, bilateral meetings between the French government and the American government. And so they're coming, 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 and they just literally just walk like right there. I mean, I could have, if I wanted to, just just said, hello, everybody. Just like say hi. You don't know me, but that's cool. I mean, just there they went. And I remember saying, I think that's crazy. 
We flew the other day from Los Angeles to Atlanta on our way home from Hillsong Conference, and we got on the plane, and Usher sat next to Shelly on the plane. <laughs> Anybody ever heard of Usher before? I'm not sure since nine of you have met someone famous or been around someone famous. He's a very large uh, presence in the music scene, lives here in Atlanta, and uh, one of our own. And she sat right next to him. We had some of our other team. We'd gotten upgraded, of course, because Usher doesn't fly in the back, trust me. But... Um, <laughs> some of our team was, and they'd, somebody had seen him up the aisle or word had gotten back. Phone just started blowing up. Phone's not even supposed to be on right now, but I mean, texts are just blowing up. Is Usher up there? Are you sitting? You've got to talk to Usher. You've got to invite Usher to Passion City Church. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get past the security guard here who's sitting on the other side of him, who's bigger than the plane. And I'm going to say, excuse me just a minute, but I need to have a word with Usher. That guy's going to take me, fold me up, put me in the overhead bend. You know, that's what's going to happen in that moment. But Shelly is sitting right next to Usher, and the whole time, the flight gets over, and it's like, well, what was it like? Did you see him? Did you talk to him? Yeah, well, we just spent five hours together in very small space. And I can say to you and report to you on full authority, I have breathed the same air as Usher breathed. We shared oxygen together. No, that's the end of the story. You're like, well, did, did you lead him to Christ? No, I didn't lead him to Christ. I didn't talk to him because of this guy kept looking at me like, don't talk to him. So I didn't talk to him. But I'm telling you, we got off that plane, and that's all our, everybody was talking about. And I get that. I totally understand all that. And I know this makes me look like one of those people that we like to make fun of because it's kind of the, you know, it sounds a little cheese ball. But, but come on, have you ever gotten off a plane and thought to yourself, I just flew across the country with Jesus? Let me tweet that. People are like, you're kidding. Jesus flies Delta? I, are you serious? <laughs> serious. I was in 29A. He was in 29B. Or, more theologically correct, I was in 20, 20, 29A. He was in 29A. We sat in the same seat. The whole way. It's waking up the idea of living, moving, breathing through life with this awareness that we have been invited to walk through life with Jesus and seeing how that revolutionizes everything about us. So how would our lives be different if we became conscious of walking with Jesus and we consciously walked in a relationship with Jesus like that. I'll give you a couple of ways and you're going to want to write these down. I'm going to move through them kind of quickly. The number one thing that would change in our lives or be different about our lives if we were wide awake to the fact that we're walking with Jesus would be this, that we would understand that we are always walking in the presence of supreme affirmation. When you walk with Jesus, you always walk in the presence of supreme affirmation. What does that mean? It means that you don't have to wait till the email comes to say you are God-designed, purpose-intended, lavishly loved, significant, prince or princess, son or daughter of the king of the universe, because you're walking with the king of the universe. You don't have to wait to get somewhere to hear those words, because as you're walking, you're walking with the source of divine love, because you're walking with Jesus. That doesn't mean our whole day of walking with Jesus is all a one big pep rally. You're wonderful. You're amazing. You're incredible. You're awesome. Sometimes he's saying to us, hey, don't, don't do that. You're son of God. Why are you thinking like that? Don't think like that. Sons of gods don't think like that. Daughters of God don't go that way. 
But all of that is in the context of him saying, I love you, and I am for you, and I am with you, and I am walking right beside you. So let's say you walk into some of your friends, and as you walk away, they're like, nah, 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 and they're cutting you down and and chipping away at your self-confidence and chipping away at who God said you are. And when you walk away from them, you're walking away, and as their voices are fading in the past, Jesus' voice is rising up, walking right beside you, saying, don't listen to them. Don't even pay, pay any attention to them. They're just insecure and don't know who they are. But you do know who you are, and you are secure because you are walking right now with the king of all creation. I know it hurts, and it stings a little bit to have people say those kinds of things about you. But come on, listen to this. I think you are absolutely amazing. When I knit you together, I knit you perfectly. I love everything about you, and I've got incredible plans for you. Let's just keep walking, and let's just keep talking, and let's let them fade away into the background. And the converse is true when you walk in. And somebody says, oh my gosh, you're amazing. You're incredible. You're beautiful. You're awesome. You're the most incredible thing I've ever seen. You're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. And it means so much to me for you to say it. And you can keep saying it, by the way, but I'm walking with Jesus. And he'd already told me that right before I walked in. When you walk with Jesus, you're constantly walking with the source of supreme affirmation. When you walk with Jesus, you always have all you need. When you're walking with Jesus, you always have all you need. I mean, do you remember when you were a little bitty kid and, you, and that you finally got your first wallet? You remember when you got your kid wallet? You know, it wasn't a real wallet, but you kind of thought it was. And, and so your parents put money in it. You know, I'm old, so it's probably a quarter. I know they don't have quarters anymore, but uh, there's 20s now. But when, when I was a kid, they'd like put a quarter in there. So you, you knew you had your wallet and you knew you had your quarter, right? But that didn't matter because you still weren't paying for anything. When your family took you to the varsity and you're five or eight, you're not going, well, how much is two hot dogs? You're just like, Mom, can I have two hot dogs? Yeah, you can have two hot dogs. All right, I want two hot dogs. I don't know how much they are. I don't know how to figure in tax. I'm not paying for anything. I'm just here. And as long as I'm with these guys, it's going to work out. Now, that's the dumb kid illustration, but come on, let's step it up a notch. If you're walking into a situation with Jesus himself, are you not going to have what you need in that situation? Oh, you might not get what you wanted in that situation. You might not get the boat and the car and the house and the million dollars and win the lottery and all the stuff you wanted in the situation, but are you never going to not have what you need in that situation if Jesus is there? I mean, I love the way this is written in Hebrews uh, chapter 13, and it's written in a context. It's always quoted out of context, but it, in which it's powerful out of context. Some scriptures are, are actually powerful out of context. This one is, but it's way, way more powerful in context. And in the context of Hebrews 13, 5, look what it says. It says, keep yourselves and your lives free from the love of money. In other words, it doesn't say keep your lives free from money. But keep your lives free from the love of money. What does that mean? From the confidence of what money can do or be to you. Don't put all of your confidence and your hope and your affection in the dollar because the dollar can't touch, it can't speak, it can't heal, and the dollar is shaky. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Okay, why would I want to do that, Louis? Because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. That's why. 
So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, not the dollar is my helper, not my bank account is my helper, not the the funds we're going to raise are our helper. The Lord is our helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So when I'm walking with Jesus, I walk into every situation and I'm not thinking, I don't have what I need. How am I going to get what I need? I don't know what I'm going to do. I walk into the situation and I go, well, I don't know how this is all going to play out, but when all this is done, me and you are still going to be standing here together and I'm going to be standing right next to Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the Lord of all creation. So I'm going to have what I need when this all goes down. I'm going to be okay. Because when you walk with Jesus, you always have what you need because he is what we need. The third one of these, I love this. When you walk with Jesus, the highs and the lows are tempered by his presence. You know any drama queens, you know, those people that all of life is super high and super low. Oh, woo, and you're like, here we go, here we go, get ready. Oh. And every day is just, you're like, you don't know what you're going to get. It's like, oh my goodness, highs and lows and excited and depressed and victorious and defeated. And you're like, man, who are you walking with? You're not walking, you're on a pogo stick, man. You got to get off the pogo stick and you got to start walking with Jesus. Because when you walk with Jesus, and and okay, again, dumb illustration, but when when you walk with Jesus and you walk into the hardest times of life, you walk in with the one who raises the dead. And when you walk into the greatest things this world can give you, you walk in with the one who's greater still. And all the drama starts to get mitigated. I just want to encourage us, especially, I say this again to the younger people of Passion City Church who are growing up, I hope that we're good examples to you of less drama and more Jesus. Because everything that happens every hour of our lives is not the greatest thing that's ever happened or the worst thing that's ever happened. It's life. And life is lived with Jesus. And when you walk in with Jesus, it's going to be okay. It doesn't mean that the suffering and the brokenness and the sorrow of this world evaporate, it only means that we know we are with Jesus in the midst of the hardest days and the greatest days of life, and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Drama comes. Drama comes when the circumstances cloud our view. And when Jesus is pushed off to the edge and confidence rises when Jesus is brought near to our view and the circumstances are pushed back to the edge. We're not talking about a life free from difficulty. In fact, if you walk with Jesus, you're going to walk into some difficulty just by the fact that you're walking with him. Because this world doesn't like him, it doesn't get him, and this world system is opposed to him. But when you walk with him through suffering, difficulty, death, hardship, disease, death itself, times 10 in our lives, when you walk through whatever it is this world can give us, the whole sense of, oh my gosh, my world is crumbling, it's tempered. It's tempered by the presence of Almighty God, 
Jesus Christ. If those guys had a do-over of going to Bethany, how would they have arrived with Jesus? They would have walked in with Jesus going, no telling what he's going to do. Death, that's not the final word. Tombs, he's bigger than tombs. Four days dead, that's no problem to him apparently. He doesn't work on our timetable. He doesn't work inside of our little mental way of thinking about things. He is God. He is in charge. He does what he wants to do. And I believe in him. And when that happens, the highs and the lows get tempered by his presence. A couple more of these. When, when you walk with Jesus, you don't ever have to be in a hurry. I just leave that one at that. But I love Isaiah 28, 16. It says, uh, to the people of God, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a, a tested stone, a precious stone, a, a stone of a sure foundation, talking about Jesus. And then Isaiah says, and whoever puts their trust in him will never be in haste or will never be dismayed. I love that translation that says, will never be in a hurry. In other words, I don't know if you're one of those kind of people that you're always afraid you're going to miss out on something. You're always trying to get in the right place at the right time. You know, these, these guys are going to play golf, and, and you're not sure you can get there. Maybe your kid has a play, and you're thinking, well, those three guys are playing golf, and I probably should be at the play, but who knows what they're going to do is 18 holes and what kind of networking they're going to do and what kind of friendship they're going to develop and what kind of deals they're going to talk about and what kind of stuff I'm going to get left out of. Man, i got to figure out. Maybe I can play eight holes and then go to the end of the play and then jump up back and catch them on the 19th hole and, you you know, because they don't play 19 holes, and maybe I can try to do both things, and I can figure it all out and add more time and, and make the whole thing work out. It's that pressure of, oh, my friends are all going to be at so-and-so's house tonight, and mom, dad, I've got to be there because so-and-so's there, and so-and-so's there, and so-and-so's there, and oh my goodness, if I'm not there tonight, my world will literally come to an end tonight because I'm going to miss out. And I, I, I love it. I love maximizing there's probably nothing wrong with trying to play golf and be at the play. If you can do them both, great. If you can't, ask God where you need to be. But life simplifies when you walk with Jesus and you know that if you didn't get there in time, it was okay. Don't you hate it when you get there and you say, you know, just got here but 20 minutes ago, so-and-so was here and such-and-such happened. I mean, you just missed it. It was pretty amazing. And bam, bam, bam. And you're like, we're late. Yes, it was just me and you. What did I miss if I was walking with Jesus? When you walk with Jesus, you never miss out on anything because you were walking with him. When you walk with Jesus, I'll give you two more of these. You don't ever pass the broken. Life changes when you walk with Jesus because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but Jesus always could factor in time to stop for the broken. He's always going away you're not supposed to go, to get to a place you're not supposed to be at, to talk to somebody you're not supposed to talk to, to get to somebody's house you're not supposed to be in their house, to invite somebody in that's not supposed to be invited in, to touch somebody that's not supposed to get touched, because Jesus has a huge heart for the broken on this planet, including you and including me. And if you walk with Jesus, you don't ever pass the broken. You, you may not can stop and spend an hour with every broken person, but you're going to find yourself stopping a lot around 
the broken people. You know what I'm talking about? You're noticing people around you, and you're like, wow, that person, such and such, isn't that sad? And Jesus goes, I know it is. Let's go talk to him. And you're like, no, I wasn't saying it was that sad. I was just saying it's sad. And he's like, I know it is. We should go talk to him. And you're like, we don't have time to talk to him. Come on, it won't take long. Let's just go talk to him. And you're like, all right. You're like, well, Louis, I'm not one of those people. I'm not outgoing. I don't know what to do. I don't ever know what to say. I always think about talking to him, but I don't know what I'd say if I talked to him. I always think about stopping, but I don't know what I'd do if I'd stop. I always, you know, sometimes I'm not sure, and, you know, I don't know if I'm helping or hurting or, you know, what I, I don't know what to do, and so I just don't do anything. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Just walk with Jesus and notice how Jesus will stop for the broken. I remember a couple of weeks ago, we'd been shelling me down to the tabernacle. A friend of ours was playing a concert there, and, and uh, we'd stayed after and talked to him. So we'd been there like two hours when the show was over. So it was way after midnight when we left, and that part of town was just empty. There's like six diehard fans standing outside by their bus and, and us, basically. I mean, literally, it was just a ghost town except for the homeless. And we're walking a couple of blocks over to where we parked, and a guy starts coming, kind of making a beeline, angling toward me. And you get that feeling. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, well, I can either speed up a little bit, turn my dial, give him my shoulder, let him know he's not talking to us, or I can realize there's a guy out here at 1230 at night that is looking for somebody to help him. So the guy kind of is making a beeline our way, and um, I, I just, you know, kind of started turning to make a beeline his way, save him some time. And as soon as I got there, he had his little spiel. Everybody has a spiel. His was, you know, I don't want to interrupt you. I don't want to take your time. But it'd, be, a, 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 but it'd be, be awesome if you could help me out a little bit. And God bless you if you do. And I said, uh, okay. And you can judge me for this, whatever. I, I grew up downtown. I understand homelessness. I know what's going to happen. But in this moment, I thought I'm going to give this guy some money and I know probably what's going to happen, but I am. And the reason I am is because I want to talk to him. And right in that moment, I just remember thinking to myself, God, what do you want to say right now? And he just said, I don't know. I, he just said, this is what I want to say. I said, okay. So we stopped, and I wanted to talk to this guy. And I knew that if I'd said, hey, man, I don't have any money, that he was going to go on down his way. But if I said, I have some money, he's probably going to stop. So I said, hey, uh, I'm going to give you some money. He goes, oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I don't want to stop you. I don't want to interrupt you. But if you could help me out a little bit, that'd be wonderful. I know God will bless you for it. And I said, I'm going to give you some money. I said, I just want to talk to you. And I looked him straight in the eye, and I said, I, I, what, what is your name? And he goes, I don't want to take your time. I don't want to take your time. I, don't, I know you guys are in a hurry, but if you can just help me out a little bit, I, I know God will bless you for it. I said, I heard that already. What's your name? And he said, I don't want to take your time. 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 I said, sir. And I just reached out and put my hand on his shoulder. I said, please tell me your name. It finally broke through, and he just looked at me, and he said, my name's Richard. And I said, Richard, I don't know your story. I don't know how you got on this street tonight. I don't know what you've been through. But I want to remind you that you are somebody, that you are a somebody to God, that you matter to him. I said, I don't know what you've been through, but I don't want you to forget tonight that you are somebody, Richard, and that God cares about you. He didn't know what to say. He just was staring at me like, And I just spoke a few things I felt like the Lord gave me over, Richard. And I gave him 
the money because I told him I was. I know he's probably going to go drink the money or I don't, I don't know how all that played out. That wasn't what God said to me in that moment. Figure out what he's going to do with the money. God said, I want you to ask him his name. And I want you to call him by his name. Maybe if you'd come out, it would have gone different. Maybe you've been walking with God that night, something else would have happened. Maybe you've been walking with God, a different outcome would have come, he would have spoken to you in a different way. I just knew for us that night that Jesus was going to stop, and I think that's the bigger story. When we walk onto the scene of broken people, you can count on this. Jesus is going to stop at the broken, and we can either stop with him and join in what he's going to do in their lives, or we can at that point separate from him. And keep on going. But he's always going to stop at the broken, just like he stopped for you. And then lastly, I'll just close with this one. When you walk with Jesus, you know that he'll walk with you to the last step on earth. I mean, who's going to promise you that right now? No one. I mean, you, your hope is that your husband, future husband, future wife is going to be right there beside you when you breathe your last breath, but you don't know if that's going to happen or not. You hope that your closest friends are going to be there on the last day and they're going to walk with you right to the very end, but you don't know that. You hope that if you go through incredible difficulty, that all the people that say they love you are still going to walk with you. You hope that if you lose your business and lose all your fortune and lose your family and lose your reputation and hardship comes and all kind of difficulties come, that people are still going to walk with you. But you don't know that life's fickle and people are fickle. And some of the people we thought were going to walk with us a long, long way didn't walk with us very far at all. And Jesus is making us a promise tonight. The invitation is, I'd love for you to walk with me if you'd like to. And the promise of that is, and if you walk with me, I will walk with you every single step to the very last step of your life. I will walk with you. In the context of this great commission scripture, which is really all about us moving out in the world and the power of Jesus with the message of resurrection. I love the promise that comes with that as we're on mission with God. Jesus says at the end of Matthew's gospel, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, if you don't really want to walk with Jesus, that's your choice. And you can go walk off, walk off to fame, walk off to fortune, walk off to your dream, walk off to building up your thing, walk off to the pleasure that you think is so much better than what God has to offer. You can walk any which way you want to out of this building tonight. Somehow under the sovereign grace of God, we can walk down every dead end road on earth. But he's saying, no, I'd, I'd love it if you want to come and walk with me. The implication is, I'm walking. 
Those guys could have stayed where they were and never walked with Jesus to Bethany and never seen a resurrection and never been a part of the unfolding story of God. He didn't need them to raise Lazarus from the dead. He just invited them on the journey. And to be really frank this afternoon, he doesn't need you to do what he's doing on planet Earth. But he's inviting you to walk with him. He's saying, come on. Let's take this message. Let's take this love and grace and hope. Let's take the truth of who I am to all the people on the planet. Let's lead them to faith. Let's baptize them into a whole new way of life. Let's teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And as we go, here's the promise I'm making you. As we walk, here's the promise I'm making you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you always. To the very end of the age. So nobody can say, how you doing? Ah, I just feel so lonely. I feel so all alone. We could change that and say, I'd really like some, some people with skin on to be around me. <laughs> but I'm not lonely because I'm walking with Jesus, the son of the living God. I'm walking with Christ. I'm walking with Almighty God, and He walks through the highs and through the lows. He walks in the joys and in the sorrows. He walked with me in life and in death. He was there on my wedding day. He was there on my divorce day. He was there on the best day. He was there on the worst day. He was there the day I was born. He was there the day I died. He was there when everybody loved me. He was there when everybody left me. He walks with me every day. He walks with me when I do good. He walks with me when I fail and do bad. He walks with me when it looks like I'm earning something from him and he walks with me when I know for sure I could never earn anything. He walks with me. He is with me and I am walking with him and I know if I'm walking with Jesus. That's one sure thing. That's the one sure thing. That in the very last step, He'll be there with me. That's our story. That's the gospel. Do you know the gospel? Genesis 3, man, Adam and Eve sinned against God. What they had was a relationship with God. But they didn't want that. So they tried another way. And as soon as they sinned, they knew that they were naked and they felt ashamed. And so the scripture says in Genesis 3, when God came walking in the cool of the day in the garden, because that was God's intention, God Almighty to come walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, with Adam and Eve. What are you all doing today? Just walking with God. What y'all gonna do tomorrow? Just gonna walk with God. Yeah, we're gonna run the universe and name some animals and look after all creation, but we're walking with God. And 
It says in verse 8, when God came walking in the cool of the day, Adam and Eve ran and hid because they were ashamed and they knew they were naked. And God called out. You know the story. Adam, where are you? Where are you? He knew where Adam was. He just needed to know Adam knew that he knew where he was. Where are you? We're over here. We're hiding because look at us. God says, what'd you do? Adam said, oh, the woman did it. God looked at Eve and said, what'd you do? The serpent did it. And judgment came. The garden was over. And that kind of fellowship with God in the cool of the day, it ended that day. And death came. But do you, do you know the story of resurrection? Jesus Christ came to planet Earth. He suffered for the sins of the world. Took the shame and the guilt on his own innocent life. He was crucified to pay the price. He was buried and dead, just like Lazarus, in a tomb. But the Father raised him up on the third day, on the first day of the week, on what we celebrate as Easter. Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God. And in Luke's gospel, it says that later that day, two of the followers had drifted out of Jerusalem. Check this out. And they're walking to a little town called Emmaus. And suddenly, this is in the end of Luke, suddenly Jesus appeared and was walking with them on the road. He blinded their eyes so they didn't know who he was right away. And he said, what's been going on? They said, you don't know what's going on. You got to be the only person on planet earth that doesn't know what's going on. And they told him all the story of the events that had happened in Jerusalem. They got where they were going. They stopped for the night. Jesus said he was going on further. They said, no, 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 stay, stay, stay. We're begging you, stay, man. You got to stay, you got to stay, you got to stay. So he stays, he sits down to a meal. He takes the bread, he breaks the bread and he prays a blessing of God. And when he does, their eyes are open. And they're like, ha, ah, it's you, it is you. It's Jesus, you are alive. It's Jesus, he says, it is me, it's me. And they're like, wow, amazing. They take off back to tell the 11 disciples, Jesus came on the road. And as they go away, they said, didn't our hearts burn in our chest when this guy was walking with us on the road? Do you see the gospel? Genesis, sin and death, no more walking in the cool of the day. Resurrection, first day of resurrection, walking on the road. That walk now is available again. The invitation is open again. Jesus walking into people's lives again. Jesus walking into our questioning, into our wondering again. Jesus showing up and our hearts literally burning inside of us saying, something is different in me. Something is changing in me. And that's because it's the gospel. It's not just Christ with you. By the power of the Spirit, it's Christ in you. The hope. And what was lost and broken is now offered and available. And Jesus is saying to everyone here, I would love for you to come and walk with me if you want to. If you do, if you forsake the dead ends and you take up this 
walk with Jesus, you will never, ever walk with Jesus.